Uh, today we're going to be in Philippians 1, and we're going to be in verse 1 through verse 11. So, decide to go something that I could remember so all the numbers are 1, so that I don't forget exactly where I am. So, Philippians 1, 1, 1, 1 is where we're going to be. Um, and really, so, what we're going to look at today is one of what I think is the most encouraging verse in the Bible, at least very much up there, and it's in verse 6, which is in the, the heart of our passage today. So I want to start with that. It says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I love that verse. I always loved it. Um, but I don't know that I've ever really studied the context of that verse, which is where, what we're going to do tonight. And it's a really challenging verse. It went from being, okay, this is going to be all about encouragement to, wow, I am completely convicted about what we're going to study because what we're studying is um, Paul pretty clearly through this shows us three ways, at least three ways tonight, we're going to look at three, of how we can grow and how we care for people. I do believe that one of the ways that God was working through Paul's life as he was you know, going through the walk of a Christian was that God was transforming his heart. That's, what, that's the promise. As soon as you're saved, when you give your life to Christ, God immediately starts that work in your heart. And are you perfect? Absolutely not. That's part of the journey. But there's a promise at the end of that verse is that someday we're going to be with Christ and we're going to be the likeness of the Father. We're going to be completely um, in God's glory and join holiness, true holiness forever. So we're going to read it and get straight into it. So uh, Philippians 1. Verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because, you are of, because of your partnership in the gospel, because of the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work of, in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. And it is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness as I yearn for you all with the affliction, affection of Christ Jesus. And in, it is in my prayer that your love may abound more and more with the knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So if you look at it, there's a lot. It shows Paul's heart towards the Philippian church. From the very beginning, he wants them to know that um, that he actually he, he loves them. He is absolutely on their side, ready to, to fight for them. What's the context of this whole book is the fact that Paul isn't in a comfortable place. He is in prison. He's in a Roman prison. But 10 years before, he went for the first time to speak to the people of Philippi. And when he did that, he got to see amazing things. He got to see people give their life to Christ, starting with Lydia. So were these people perfect? He, you, when you start reading it and see, man, like he's so thankful for, actually, if you, you look in verse 4, he's using them as an example, or chapter 4, he's the, they are the joy and crown. He refers to them in 2 Corinthians 8.1 as a comparison, as an example to the Corinthian church. He boasts of them to the other churches. So you would think as you're looking through it, you're like, man, these people are amazing. These people must have never had problems at all. 
But what happened was that they are actually about to receive correction as he goes through his letter, but he wants them to know for sure at the very beginning that he actually loves them. He is on their side, and he's ready to show them um, really what God has placed in their heart. What happened is that the Philippian church found out that Paul was in prison, and this hurt them because they love Paul too. So they sent a man up there with, with some money to help him out, and while he's up there, he kind of gives a report of the church. So what happens is God uses Paul to send a message to the Philippian church to help them out and also to encourage everybody else, all the Christians. We read this not as what Paul said. We love Paul. Paul is great. But when we read the Bible, it's not about what Paul said. It's what God is saying to us. So as we see three ways to grow in how we care for people, let's remember that this is not just Paul's opinion. This is God's command to us. How are we supposed to care for people? And I look across the room and I see people who you, you do care. But sometimes it's hard to know exactly how do I put that into action? How do I put this feeling inside that God put in it? So God created um, just this love in your heart. But how do you do it in a way that's effective? Well, we see an outline here that we can do. The first thing we do is, is when you actually care for people, when you care about people, you will remember them. And that sounds so, so um, pretty basic, but I think everybody especially in, in our stage of life, have come to realize that we can't keep up with everybody. It's hard to keep up with people that were in college, much less our high school friends and elementary friends. It's hard to keep up with people as time goes on. But if you remember, these people, when, when the work started in Philippi, that was 10 years back from when Paul is writing this right now, yet God allowed Paul to remember them, and in great joy he remembers them. There is... And it wasn't because they were perfect, like we said before. There was disunity in chapter 2 and, and 4. It shows that the church was a disunity and there was some quarrelsome. But he would address those problems later. Right now, he needed to understand because I'm sure he was remembering. So as, as he's listening to his friend tell him about the church, I'm sure he's remembering those first few days when he was going to Philippi. He was remember Lydia. Remember Lydia? She was selling purple cloth and so a very well-to-do business. And she, the Lord, did a work in her heart and her life completely transformed her life transformed, and then everybody in her family gave their life to Christ, and I'm sure they were part of that first church. Or also the, the girl who was a slave to these two men because she was demon-possessed, and she was walking around announcing that, that Paul and that was there, there, she was being obnoxious. She was taken away from the meaning of the gospel. And so Paul, in the name of Jesus, asked the, says, like, I'm going to uh, come out of her. And, and she's healed from the demon possession that was in her. So I'm sure he was remembering her. What an amazing experience. Also landed them in jail because of that experience. So he already had a little experience of how to deal with a, with a jail. But in that jail, there was an earthquake. And out of that earthquake, this jailer almost commits suicide because he knew that when they escaped from the jail being broken open, well, the next thing to happen was he was going to die too. But Paul was right there. Paul and Silas say, don't kill yourself because we're still here. There's no reason to. And so the jailer gives his life to Christ. His whole family gives his life to Christ. So Paul, with good reason, is able to say, I can't, like, my love for you extends beyond everything else because get this, it's not just about remembering them, but it's also about having a relationship with them. When you care about people, you develop meaningful relationships, and that's what we see in verse 5 and 8. So let's look at that real quick. So verse 5 says this, because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you 
will bring you to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So the first thing we see there is four really ways that he's showing how these meaningful relationships happen. It didn't happen just like that. It, was, it wasn't just because of time with them. It was because of what was happening in the time that he was with them. Sometimes we wonder why um, our relationships only go so far with people. Why is it that I've been in this certain place and I still know people on a surface level? That happened to me freshman in college. I was kept on, I kind of got frustrated. I was like, man, I've come from having friends all my life that we could go deep with, and now these people, all we get to talk about is like movies. Not that, maybe that, not that that's wrong, but sometimes we want a little bit more in life. People who are more than just friends, they're people who are partners with us, which is what Paul refers to as, as he's talking about these people. But why? It's because their relationship was rooted in Christ. Look what it says. Because of your partnership in the gospel until this day, until now. So the first thing we see is that it has to be rooted in Christ. The foundation of a meaningful relationship is rooted in Christ. Do you know what that produces? It produces a different kind of activity that you're going to do. As you are with people who your foundation is rooted in Christ, you're going to be able to work with them for a greater cause than just yourself. As your, your relationship is rooted in Christ, you're going to live it out as a consistent witness. Now, there may be a time that you go with the people here in this ministry and you, you go and share the gospel with different people, but, but look how long they were partners in the gospel with Paul. It says, because of your partnership with the gospel, from the first day until now. That's the end of verse 5. That had been 10 years of faithfully sharing the gospel with Paul. Maybe Paul wasn't there the whole time, but they were doing it in different places at the same time. And because of the common bond that they had, that lasted for those 10 years that they had with each other. Because when you really are a part of something much greater, then that gives you more joy to be someone that has gone through the trenches with you. Philippi was a difficult place to be. It was um, one of these places who, that was highly um, like a retired city. Uh, a lot of the soldiers who were in the Roman army would end up in Philippi to retire, and they were a little bit well off. Um, but they were also very, very much committed to the Roman government, the, that Caesar was God. Well, here comes Paul. Here comes this church, and they're saying there's only one God, and that's Jesus Christ. That, that is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who promised long ago that Jesus would come and die on the cross and rise again, and that he's the one that you're supposed to be submitted to. And they're like, no, Caesar is the one you're supposed to be submitted to forever. So tons of friction that's going to happen. So, so their bond even gets more and more strengthened because there is conflict against the world because they're having to commit their life to Christ as a unit, as Christ has unified them. So there's another part of this. So once you're rooted in Christ and you're a consistent witness, well, well that has to grow. I remember going back to, uh, to where I grew up and um, meeting with some friends from high school. And do you know what we talked about? High school. We talked about the church and we talked about like, we didn't really, we couldn't, it, at some point we hit a wall because there wasn't any further we could go as, as like a true, if we're looking at meaningful relationships, that meaningful relationship has to evolve over time. But do you know how it evolves? It's deeply connected to your relationship with Christ. Look what it says, and I am sure of this, this is the verse, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion to that day. So 
Paul and the Philippians are growing together in Christ, and maybe they're not at the same level because Paul had already been a Christian for a while, and he's doing great, and they're coming along, but they're both growing. They're both evolving. Their relationship is growing. So do you know what happens? Even though they're not with each other all the time, their relationship with each other is growing into a meaningful relationship that's based on history of them working together in the trenches, and they're just in Jesus Christ. So it has a foundation in Christ. It is lived out consistently, and it is continuing continuing to grow. But do you know what? It's not their love for each other that's, that's really bringing them together. It's the love that they have through Christ. And that's what we see in verse 8. Verse, well, verse 7. Verse 7 in it says, in verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are partakers with me of grace. See, Paul knows that this isn't normal. He knows that this is beyond their capacity to love each other. He says, I know that it's right for me to feel this, but because I hold you in my heart. Why? For you are all partakers with me of grace. He knows that we, they all, nobody was better than the other one. They're all in the common ground that they need Jesus Christ because they are all sinners far, far from God, but God saved them. They are all living day by day through in, in grace. But why? Um, because life is hard. Look at this, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So there's the meaning behind it. Verse 8 says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you in all the affection of who? What does it say? That? Affection of Christ Jesus. So it's not even theirs. It is borrowed affection from Christ. There is nothing in them that could bring this bond together. There's nothing in us that can unite us together. It is only through Jesus Christ that we can actually have a bond that everybody in the world is looking for. But only us through Christ it is not through our power. It only is through Jesus Christ that we can experience a bond that goes beyond who we are. So really, it is through our affection for one another it is through Christ. Jesus is alive and well. And here's the thing: when he, when he really has this desire of us when he, he's alive and well he wants to hear from us not only just that we are actively serving him and following him and that we are caring for people and that we are having meaningful relationships if we really do grow in how we care for people and if we really do have meaningful relationships there's then going to be this natural outflow of prayer that comes from our life but not any kind of prayer this kind of prayer is, is something different see in verse 3 remember what it said Let's read it again. I thank my God in all remembrance of you. So he's, he's talking about, in verse 4, it says, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. So what's happening here is he's saying, okay, I pray for you. But here's what's cool about this passage. In this verse 9, he gives this example of what that prayer should look like. So we're going to spend a good amount of time on this part because we need to see that it's not just about the action of, of prayer that needs to happen for us. It needs to be the quality of prayer that proceeds from us. If we really do care about each other, then we're not going to just lift up prayers, oh, this person went through this, this, which all those common prayers that we hear all the time, those are necessary. But what if we could take it one step further? Paul's going to show us how to do that in verse 9. Verse 9 says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. So he acknowledges the fact that they do have love. There is love, but man, the love can go further. Their love would, what, abound when it's bound, the word abound is talking there, it's overabundant. It is something that goes beyond just, um, for example, 
someone who is getting beat up by someone else. There's two people fighting, and you might come to the rescue of someone who is being oppressed. And you have love for that. But what Paul's asking, okay, you have a bounding love, so you not only have enough love to help the person who is being um, persecuted, I guess, but you also have love left over, and you start realizing this guy needs it too. The guy who is, both for the person who's being oppressed and the person who is oppressing, needs your attention. And that's a whole, that's a revolutionary way to actually think about it. I need to not only think about the people who are getting hurt, but I need to think about the person who is hurting because they also need to know the Lord. They are lost, they're far away from God, so they need to understand that they too can be saved because they are also made in the image of God. Now that seems crazy that I would actually care about everybody in this world, but guess what? You have to realize that God loves them just as much as they love, that he loves you. But what about, let's bring it a little bit more home. What about the lazy coworker that you have to deal with on a daily basis that's great friends with your boss and gets away with everything? Then it's a little bit more difficult if you think about it that way. What if it's a difficult family member you're doing? A family member who just kind of, you know, doesn't care about life and just doesn't really do anything, um, and you're having to deal with their attitudes. Or maybe a boss who doesn't respect your work hours anymore, who just constantly just kind of sucking the life out of you, putting more and more tasks on you. Do you have to love them too? How do you do that? Well, it comes back to this whole, whole way of, of praying for them and, and making sure that you're, there, that you're consistent with whether they're consistent or not. That's not your problem, but you're the one on your side that making sure that you actually care for that person. There's this guy. I wasn't going to talk about... I feel like when we talk about being patient with people, we talk about um, driving a lot. But man, something happened to me on Monday that I have to tell you about. I was right behind this guy. We're about to get on I-40, and he's going 30 miles an hour. I'm behind this guy. I'm like, we're going we're gonna to die. We're about to merge onto this, this road, and he didn't. He stayed in the, mer- in the like, on-ramp forever. So I finally get over, he gets in front of me, and I was like, okay, now we're going 40. Great, now we're safe because we're actually on the highway, and he's about to hit me. Get this. All of a sudden, I'm looking at this wonderful individual in front of me, and both his hands go up. And he starts adjusting his, uh, his uh, I don't know what you call it, to like block the sun, the visor. And he wants it right here because the sun's right there. That makes sense. But he's also on I-40. And so... He's moving it with both hands, and I'm watching this whole thing right in front of me, and he merges lane right in front of this other guy. And the other guy has to break because he's, you know, he's going the speed limit. And so he's, so, and I'm like, well, maybe his car, like, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think through this for him. I was like, maybe his car doesn't have enough speed. Maybe, like, he's older. He kind of forgot where he is. All of a sudden, he puts that thing in gear, takes off. I was like, What? Where did that come from? Because we were just going 30 trying to get on I-40. What were we talking about? Uh, loving people. There's, we're supposed to be loving people. So that's where we are tonight. So it's hard. It is hard to love the people around us, especially like it's easy to read it in the Bible and say, okay, that's what we need to do. But when it's everyday context, that's when it becomes real. So what do you have to do? You have to make it a decision. You can't wait for it to become a feeling. So Look how cool this is. He gives you a, a kind of a step, like how do you train yourself to have that kind of amazing love that you're supposed to have? Well, first of all, um, verse 9, remember this is a prayer that Paul has for them. 
And it says, and to prayer that your love may abound more and more. So it's something that we can learn to do. The first way we do that is with knowledge. The word for knowledge there is the word for intelligent comprehension. Sometimes we think that, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to get into the word and really study it for yourself. But man, that's, that's where you start this journey of really knowing how to live, not just for yourself, but for Christ. And living, letting God live through you. So the first thing is that you're going to develop knowledge. You're going to have this intellectual comprehension, but with just intellectual knowledge, that doesn't get you anywhere. So check this out. The next thing he asked for is for with knowledge, but with all discernment. And so what is discernment? That's the ability to take the knowledge and put it into action. Now that you have it, what are you going to do with it? I like this, uh, uh, this Holman commentary says, knowledge is the spiritual wisdom found in scripture. Insight, talking about discernment, is the application of this spiritual wisdom in practical living. It's taking the idea into practical living, which is something that you have to do starting through the very first thing. is You have to learn how, that your love would abound more and more through knowledge discernment. But then what else? If you look further down on that, on verse 10, it says, So that you may approve that which is excellent. So once you have the knowledge, once you're able to put it into application, you're able to make decisions that you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. I'm sure you have experienced with friends of yours in the past who've continued to do the things over and over again. You look at them like, what are you doing? You know, especially people who you know know better. Well, it comes down to this. Are you actually putting it into practice? Are you able to approve what is excellent? I hope that all of us would desire to approve what is excellent. I think that uh, it would really change um, some things as we grow in the Lord. I think it would change the things we watch. I think that it would change the music we listen to. Um, And I think it would choose the things we choose to laugh at. We start to really understand, okay, well, this, this thing that has brought me joy actually hurts someone. This thing that has actually made me laugh is actually something that makes fun of someone else. Or this thing just straight out isn't pleasant to anybody, and I thought it was funny. And sometimes we just laugh it off and say, well, that, that's actually really like terrible, but it's funny. Well, that's not an excuse. The, what's wrong is my heart. I don't have to blame someone else for making a dirty joke that was funny. No, I have to blame myself that I wasn't in knowledge and discernment able to approve what is excellent because what our choice is is that I want for myself that which is excellent. But why? Why are we doing all this? It comes down to to the last part of of 10. It says, so that you may approve what is excellent to be what? To be pure and blameless. Why? For the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. That's verse 11. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So everything that we just read, all of it has to be rooted in your relationship with Christ. There is no other way. Only he can drive you to be more than you can be on your own. But what is the purpose in all of it? We still haven't gotten it. It's that very last line. What? To the glory and praise of God. You have the chance to bring glory and praise to the God of the universe. And that's absolutely astounding because who are we to do anything for the Lord? But you know God smiles on you. God loves you. And it's only because of that love for us that we know anything about love at all. Sometimes we 
I think that's really what the problem is in our society today is we, we really want laws and we want different things to change the way our culture looks at each other and, and treats each other. But really, there is no, there is no law that is going to change people's heart. It's only through the grace of God, which is really up to us to have that desire that the Philippians had to share the gospel with everything we have, knowing that that is the only answer that our country really has. And if you look around, you know for sure that we live amongst angry people especially today. So what if we're the change? What if we're the change that actually makes a difference in this world? Here's the thing, though. We're supposed to... It all starts with prayer, how we're going to pray for other people. But what if we took it a step beyond praying for people's sicknesses and and praying for for just things that are temporal? What if it's more than just praying for something that's going to end at your lifespan? Because look at everything we've just looked at. Abounding in love, knowledge, discernment, desire for excellence, that they would be pure and blameless. If you're praying that, because we kind of switched it over, we started thinking about ourselves, but what if that's your desire for not just you, but everybody in your room, everybody in your surroundings, and you're praying because if you're, remember what we're talking about, as we're talking about how we can have, uh, how we can care for people. So when we're caring for other people, we're remembering them, we're developing meaningful relationships with them, but the most important of these three is that we are actually praying for them and remembering to pray for them like Paul did, and that's hard to do. So I have some ideas for us. As we're, I'm going to close, but I want to give you some steps. What can you do this week to make sure that you're caring for people at a higher level than you ever cared for people before? So here's our, here are some ideas. Um, what are some ways you can help yourself remember that people you care about? How can you just get them on your radar? How can you make them part of your, your process? So here's some ideas. Maybe set a reminder on your phone to call or text a friend. That would be pretty easy because sometimes you think about it and like, okay, I can't do that now, but I'll remember later. Well, we don't. We, we just don't. I don't. Um, um, maybe you come to church with a different mindset. What if you start, we, we could all, just an idea, start thinking, okay, when I get to church, I'm going to try to find one person I never talked to before. I want to learn about them. I want to learn about their story, and I'm going to show that I care in a way um, by just being someone, being someone's friend that probably doesn't have a friend. Or maybe you're trying to develop meaningful relationships. Well, how do you do that? How do you develop a relationship beyond, like, saying, hey, and, you know, bye? Because those are easy to make. But how do you take it to the next level? Well, well how about finding a place to serve together. Because remember, the meaningful relationship isn't just with time, quality time. It's about the purpose behind your relationship, which is to serve the Lord in incredible ways. What was Paul and the, Phil- uh, and, and the people of Philippi doing? Well, they were sharing the gospel. They were being persecuted for their faith, and that brought them together in an incredible way. If you have a friendship that goes beyond just yourself, that goes beyond just your group, your friend group. If you're just thinking about y'all, you're, you'll suffocate. But if you start using your friend group to reach people around you, that's when you are going to explode. Even if you go away, even if you're like Paul and the Philippians who went in completely different directions, in 10 years you'll still have that common bond that you had. Maybe it's a trip that you need to take, um, like a mission trip, that you'll have those experiences for years. You stretch, you grow. Or maybe... You're finding people, your friends, and you're, you're partnering together to learn how to share the gospel together so you can work as a team to reach your closest friends, to reach your closest family members. 
Maybe it's just joining a life group, joining a home group, people that really care about you, a discipleship group, that you're not only supposed to be someone who is receiving blessings, you're, you're at a place where you can start investing in the people around you because that is when you're really going to grow closer, when you're sharing initiative. Just like when you're praying for people, you, you decide that the people that you are connecting with in, in, in a group, in a, in a meaningful relationship, and remembering them, well, what are some ways that you can pray for them? Are you just going to ask the Lord that they would have success in this life? Are you going to be asking meaningful prayer requests that will last them for eternity, especially for those people who do not know the Lord? Um, somebody said this a long time ago. Maybe you all remember, but I can't remember enough to give them credit for what they said. But they said, if, if God was to answer every prayer request that you asked for in the last week, how many people would go to heaven because of that prayer request? Something that kind of hit me a couple months ago, I haven't done great at this, but the idea of using um, uh, social media as a prayer tool. We talk, to, we talk about the evils of social media all the time, so let me give you something positive about it. Scrolling is something we all do. What if you use that as a way to, as a prayer guide? You're seeing all these angry people, especially today, and you see them and you're like, okay, well, they need prayer, they need prayer, they need prayer because they need a whole different lifestyle. So you're using social media for something other than evil. It's something that you can use that's practically in your hand all the time, and it could be a reminder for you. It's like prayer guides in your hand on a scroll. The Lord can use anything in your life. And I think that's a great way that we can transfer something that usually is a waste of time to something that can give you eternal rewards. Um, so here's the thing. We're, what is something you can do this week to make a difference in how you care for someone else? Because people need it. People are broken and hurt. And, and the Lord uses this. It's incredible how when you give of yourself to the Lord to be used, God just gives you back those blessings in a hundredfold. There's something that you can do this week, and you'll be amazed how the Lord opens your eyes when you start asking God, how can I live for you? How can I care for the people in a huge way? And when we do, you'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord for who you are, that you ask us to be a part of something that's way beyond ourselves, that you ask us to be a part of a lifestyle that um, makes a difference, Lord. Lord, I, I know that every single one of us in this room wants our lives to matter, to be a part of something that's so great that, um, Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be for our name, but for your name, but it would be, be something that makes a difference in our city. Lord, I pray that if we moved to a different state, that there would be some kind of impact that left behind. God, I, I pray that through our lives, people would come to know you. I pray that as a ministry, we'd be able to encourage one another to not just live in our bubble, but Lord, that we would be encouraged to share the gospel with people because that is the ultimate way that we can really show love is presenting you to people who do not know you. Lord, thank you for the joy that comes from knowing you. Thank you for the joy that comes from knowing people who know you. And Lord, I pray that we would be used as a group of people who can be a blessing to each other, but also to everybody in this church, God. I pray that our lives would make a difference, not for ourselves, but for the kingdom of God for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.